How many of you were there? Raise your hand if you attended the Riverdale campus before Alpine even came to Layton. Raise your hand. Are there any, how many of you in, yeah, that's awesome. There's several of you in here. So you guys will remember what it was like when we built, we took, we did a, we did this kind of thing. We encouraged everybody to, to step it up and give because we were a small church at the time, uh, just several hundred people as a church in one location. And so the bank wouldn't give us a loan because they're like, we're not going to give you a loan to build a church in Utah. Why? Like, what is that? How do you not already have money for that, right? So they didn't even understand that. It didn't compute with them. So we had to come to Alpiners. Many of you in here uh, were a part of this. We had to come to Alpiners and say, we need you to pledge. We need you to give. We need to step it up. Many of you pledged. Pastor Jared's going to show us how to do that later on today. And we brought in, no joke, I brought in a stack of pledge cards like this and slapped them on the banker's table. And I say, now would you give us a loan? And they said, yes, if you guys all co-sign on it. So we co-signed on it, and we sacrificed to be able to get into the Riverdale building. Here's the cool thing about the story. One year later, we outgrew our Riverdale campus in two services, one year later. So we were launching our Layton campus one year after that. So 07 is when we moved in. 08 is when we launched our Layton campus. So just get this. Here's how that worked. We came to the people who had painted walls in Riverdale, and who had pledged and were thinking about their kid's wedding that was going to be able to be in that building that they built. And then we came to them and said, if you live in the Leighton area, we'd love for you to leave and rent again. <laughs> and the cool thing about Alpine is many people did that. I see many those of you who raised your hands, you probably were those who did it. You said, all right, we'll go. They were still supporting. They were still giving financially to the Riverdale Building Project. And then they stopped even benefiting from it, and they moved in here to Layton. That was seven buildings ago. That is, I think that's so cool what God is, that we've, we've every time we've said we're going we're gonna to just continue to grow and reach more and more people. You know what would have been a, a lot easier is just building a mega church. It would have been a lot easier just buying 100 acres, which is what a lot of churches do around the country, buying 100 acres somewhere and building a big building and just getting smoke and lights. And we still have the lights, but we don't have the smoke. And we could have done that. And would, I'm telling you, it would have been a lot easier. But we don't think we would have reached as many people and we, in Utah. And we don't, we don't actually think it's what God was calling us to do. We believe God was calling us to go multi-site even before anybody in Utah had even heard about multi-site. In our, in our backyard, I remember Tracy and I in our backyard, we explained that we were a multi-site church in 2003. And they were like, what are you talking about? There's 150 of us meeting at the Terrace Plaza Playhouse. We said, no, we're a multi-site church. And it didn't come to fruition until 2008 when we opened this location and not this actual building, but the Layton campus. And it was the same thing. They rented and they, we worked. And then eventually we were able to get into this building. How many of you um, were here working on this building, physically working on, on this building in those days? We've got, yeah, it's awesome to see. Thank you for still going to Alpine. That's so great because some of you would have been like, I'm going somewhere else because, because of the sacrifice. But so we're excited about, this is just the next phase in our, in our story as Alpine Church. Syracuse is obviously a big part of it for you because Syracuse came out of the Layton campus. But every single campus is involved and everyone is going to hear this message today. And we're talking about meeting the need. And we're going to look at the book of Nehemiah. 
and um, in this legacy project. And so if you've got a Bible, you can open up to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. That's where we're going to be this morning. And uh, before we get there, before I tell the story of Nehemiah, I want to just ask this question. How many of you um, have ever had your heart broken by something? You know, there's some, raise your hand if you've ever, if you're like, you saw, you watched a movie, you heard a story, you watched something on the news and your heart was broken. That happens to me every single week. I see something and my, my heart breaks. I just met a guy who, I don't know if you remember back in 07 or 08, there was a plane crash in, in Florida and it, this plane, this NASCAR plane, I remember hearing this story 10 years ago, a crash. I met that guy in D.C. this last week. And I got to see him. He, he had burns on over 99% of his body. And he survived. He was in a coma. He was in an induced coma for 60 days. And he survived. And now he's, he's telling people about Jesus and how Jesus helped him through that whole trial. And in that plane crash, he lost his four-year-old daughter. That four, his four-year-old daughter, he ran in to try to save her. Instead of running out of that house... He ran in, she had been taking a nap, he went, ran in to try to find her and he couldn't see her through the flames and through the smoke. He, heard, he could hear her screaming and crying, but he couldn't find her. And then he, he passed out from the, from the smoke and when he came to, he, he had no skin left on his body because he ran in there. His wife ran out and she was fine. And 60 days later, after he came out of his coma, his wife had left him. Could you imagine that? You lose your daughter, you lose your skin on your body, you almost lose your life because you're trying to save your daughter, and the daughter's mom leaves you in the meantime. And it broke my heart to hear that. And maybe you have other stories that just break your heart when you hear a story, and you're like, oh, that's just like a punch to the gut, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus' heart was broken too. In Matthew chapter 9, this is a passage that really changed the way I look at ministry. Jesus, after he's preaching to crowds, it says in verse 36 of chapter 9, when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and helpless were they, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, the story here is that Jesus is preaching to these, this megachurch, basically. Thousands of people are coming to hear Jesus. Most of us now, I remember when we had our 15-year anniversary some, many of you were probably there. It was so fun for us to see thousands of people there in one. We never got to see that before. We don't get to see the influence of Alpine because we're spread out. But it was so fun at our 15-year anniversary to do that and to, and to see what God was doing. And we're all like giving each other high fives. We're like, this is awesome. It's so cool to see everyone there. That was just an energizing Sunday. Jesus, he would have had a different reaction that day. Because when Jesus preached to the crowd, he looked over the crowd and his heart was broken. Do you know why his heart was broken? Because he knows that, that sermons are good, but sermons aren't his strategy. Crowds are awesome. It's awesome to know that Alpine's the largest Christian church in Utah now. I think that's really cool. That's great. That's exciting. But size doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is the individual person. And what broke Jesus' heart is he, see all these, he saw all these people out there hearing an awesome sermon, so much better than the sermon that you'll hear today. He saw, they all got to hear a sermon, but Jesus knew that they would walk away like sheep without a shepherd. And this is what breaks God's heart. And this is what breaks our heart, and this is why we didn't just build one big campus and one big megachurch, because we knew that we needed to reach people, and now we're talking about reaching people in Syracuse. And today, I just want you to think about that. Does your heart break for what breaks God's heart? 
When you look at your neighbors, do you just get frustrated with them because they don't believe like you? Young people, when you go to church and there are people, or when you go to school and there are kids walking through that, the, the hallway, they don't believe the way that you do, and maybe they're kind of jerks. Does your heart break for them? Because Jesus' heart breaks for lost people. And our heart should break for that too. And that's what we're going to look at in the story of Nehemiah. So we're going to do four Ds today because we thought in a sermon like this, it would be great to be kind of like Baptist-y. And a Baptist sermon would have these four Ds. And so the first D is this. Desire that God would break your heart for what breaks his And that's the story. Real quick background on the story of Nehemiah. The people of Israel once had the glory days of David and Solomon. It was at the peak of its power. And then all of a sudden, they fell away from God over years. Actually, not all of a sudden. They fell away from God. And the northern kingdom gets destroyed by Assyria in 722 B.C. And then the southern kingdom in 586 B.C. gets destroyed by Babylon. And here we are as we open up the book of Nehemiah. It's 70 years after Babylon destroys Jerusalem, and by the grace of God, the people of Israel were allowed, some of them were allowed to go back to Jerusalem one generation later. And so Nehemiah is, is the cupbearer for the king at that time, not for the king of Israel, because Israel was no more, but for the king of the, of the uh, enemy army. And they were allowed to go back, and as we read in Nehemiah, if you want to turn your Bibles there, you can. Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, in late autumn... I was in the fortress of Susa. This is Nehemiah writing. And he says this, Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king, so he's got a job to do back in Susa, the capital of this foreign nation. But he hears that God's people were allowed to go back into Jerusalem. And he can't wait to hear the report. He's like, this is awesome. The people of God are getting to go back so soon after we were destroyed. They get to go back into Jerusalem just 70 years later. And here's what it says in verse 3. They said to me, Nehemiah writing, things are not going well for those who return to the province. They are in great trouble and disgrace because the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now you you might read that and you say, what's the big deal? It's just a wall. Just put up another wall. The wall of a city was a big project. It was the most important thing in that city because the wall represented the security and safety of the families within the city. And they get back to Jerusalem, and you can imagine the exiles getting back to Jerusalem, being excited about it, and they just see this whole thing in ruins. It's like like coming home from vacation, and you come home and your house had burned down. That's how you'd feel. And the Bible says this, when, when Nehemiah heard this, In verse 4, it says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. It was like a punch to the gut. When I met this guy last week, he gave me his book, and Tracy and I went home, and we started reading this guy's book about this plane crash, and it's called Through the Fire, and it just broke my heart to read read this story. And I I did, I kind of had to stop, and I prayed for him, and I I prayed for his stepson who, who survived, but he had a lot of damage as well. And this is what Nehemiah did. He sat down, he mourned and fasted for days, and he prayed to the God of heaven. What we challenge you to do is that your heart would be broken for what breaks God's heart. One of the things I love that Pastor Scott says is he lives out in Syracuse. And Pastor Scott says whenever he drives out there in Syracuse, he just sees all the developments going up. And he just thinks that's one more sheep without a shepherd. 
That's one more family that doesn't know Jesus. I remember Tracy and I, when we moved here 20 years ago, we, no joke, we met people who had never met a Christian before in the United States of America. Many people. Our neighbors, they had never actually had a relationship with an evangelical Christian before. And I, I, that's why we came here to Utah, because our heart breaks for what God's heart breaks for. 20 years ago, we went to our family and we said, hey, we want to move to Utah to start a church. And they're like, why don't you start a church right here in Chicago? Like, let's, let's start another church here in Chicago. And we're like, no, we, we want to go where there's a genuine, desperate need. And some of you... Some of you need to pray that God would open your eyes to the desperate need right around you. Your neighbors, young people, think about it in your schools. This is what happened for Nehemiah. That's the first D. Here's the second D, determined to make prayer a priority in your life. I'll admit it for me, my personality, Pastor Jared knows this, my personality is when I recognize that there's a need, I roll up my sleeves and I want to get to work. And sometimes I forget to pray. Sometimes I forget to give it to God. Sometimes I, sometimes I forget to say, hey, God, would you, would you tell me what, would you lead me first? I don't want to go out ahead of you. We didn't do that with Syracuse. We've been praying about Syracuse for a few years now. And we launched our campus almost two years ago. There was a lot of prayer that went into that. Many of you were a part of that. I know a lot of the people in Syracuse were. And we don't want to start a building project. We don't want to put up a building without praying about it. We don't want to roll up our sleeves and start painting walls and all that stuff, all that fun stuff that we get to do. We don't want to do all that stuff without praying and saying, God, we need you. Because all, none of the, a building has, doesn't matter at all if God's not in it. Because it's not about a building, it's about the people. It's about the souls that are going to meet Jesus because of that, the presence of that building and the church, the people of God in Syracuse. So determine to make prayer a priority in your life. Here's how Nehemiah did it in chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. He says, Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see my praying night and day for your people, Israel. And so Nehemiah prayed. He hit his knees and he prayed. I've told this story before, but it's so meaningful to me, I'll tell it again. I remember in high school, I had a, I had a mom come up to me of, of some kids that I was discipling. She was the mother of a junior higher that I was discipling when I was in high school. And she, she came up to me and she said, I pray for you every day. I can't even tell you how much that meant to me, to know that this some random mom was praying for me every day. I saw her years later, at my home church after we planted Alpine. And she found me in the halls and she said the same thing. She's still praying for me. She doesn't know, she doesn't know what I'm, what's going on with me. But I, I realized that what God is doing through Alpine is happening because of the prayers of faithful people like my parents and Tracy's parents and this random parent. I don't think anything about her. I don't ever give her any thought. I don't pray for her. She prays for me and for our ministry. And I know that that's true of so many people in here that, that you're praying. So many of you are praying for us as pastors. You're thinking about us and you're praying for, for the ministry that's going on at Alpine. And now we're inviting you to pray for what God is going to do in Syracuse. And we want everyone to do it. So that's why Jared's going to go over this. But we have a little prayer thing. We want everyone at all of our campuses to be praying together. Something special happens when God's people pray. We're not going to all be praying in the same place, but we're going to be praying about the same things. And we invite you to do that. Here's the third D. Develop a spirit of determination to do 
whatever it takes. I love this word determination because we have a staff and volunteers filled with determined people. I can't tell you what, how it makes Tracy and I feel when we show up to a harvest party and it is just being pulled off and we didn't have to lift a finger for it. Because that's what has to happen now because we have all these campuses. And it is so cool to see what God is doing. It is, and Jared feels the same way because he can't do it all himself either. He rolls up his sleeves and leads the charge. But all these people, as he said earlier, all these people that were here yesterday putting on this harvest party and people are hearing the gospel, we did that same thing at all of our campuses around, around the state. I mean, that's awesome that God is doing something because we have people who have determination to do whatever it takes. We have people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and get dirty doing it. Because the story of Nehemiah is he didn't just pray about it and send some money. He went to the king and the king said, what's wrong? And he said, the walls are broken down and I need to do something about it. I can't just sit back. And so the king gave him time off to go do that. So Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and he starts leading the charge. And as he led the charge, opposition came up against them because some of the other people around Jerusalem were like, no, you can't build your wall again. We remember what Judah was like. We don't want those glory days to return. We're your enemies. And so they opposed the rebuilding of the wall. So it wasn't just the wall that had to be built, but it was that it had to be built under threat of war. And I love what it says in chapter 4 as we read on in the story. At that time, Nehemiah said to the people, Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as guards by night and as workers by day. I love that. At Alpine Church, anytime we hire someone new, we're like, we, we give them their job description, and at the very bottom of the job description, we just always add this one other line, and anything else we ask you to do. So they can't say, this wasn't in my job description. Oh, yes, it was. I'm not supposed to be painting a wall. I didn't go to seminary for this. Anything else? And that's, how, that's the attitude we all have. And you know what that's become? Is that's become an attitude of an alpiner. All, so many of you alpiners, that's your attitude. It's just like, how can I help? What do I need to do? We don't have a single janitor on staff at any of our campuses. Do you know when I tell churches around the country about that, they're like, how are you doing that? And we said, that's one of the best ways for people to roll up their sleeves and serve. So people, if you're on a clean team, thank you for scrubbing the toilets. And, that, and Pastor Jared's on the clean team too. You know he's out there scrubbing toilets and mopping. I, I just love that about Alpine. It's that we're guards by night and workers by day. Like we're willing to wear, we're, we're willing to wear whatever hat we need to wear to do this thing and to move forward. I love it. It says as we read on, neither I nor my brothers nor even my men or the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. I mean, this is, Nehemiah is such a cool, you got to read it for yourself. It's such a cool story of these guys are just, like they're fighting and building. They're fighting and building. Like they're just, they're in it to win it. And my question is, are you, do you have that same kind of determination? It's going to take that determination to do this in Syracuse, and then the next thing we do, and the next thing we do, and the next person we help in Layton. It's not like when we go to a new campus, we stop the work in, the, in that first campus. I think Layton is almost back up to the numbers that it had when we launched Syracuse two years ago. That's awesome. Jared comes in, he says, we got a problem. What's the problem? We're, we're probably going to have to go to three services again. And that's not a problem, is it? 
Like, that's an awesome thing. That's because of the, de- the determination of everyone at this campus. Here's the last D, the fourth one. Demonstrate a commitment to sacrifice greatly. It's going to take sacrifice. We're going to have to be committed to do it. And Nehemiah did it. And here's, here's how Nehemiah did it. I'm not going to put the slide up. I'm just going to read it. It's in chapter 5. Verse 16, it says, I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. So Nehemiah worked on the wall, and he could have actually gotten paid for it by getting land. And he said, I refused to acquire any land. I didn't want anyone to think that I was doing this for me. I was doing this for Jerusalem. And it says that I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. His personal servants. He said, you're going to work on the wall. But that's not in our job description. I don't care. You're going to work on the wall because I care about it. And I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed. Nehemiah said this, I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table besides all the visitors to the, to the other lands. So Nehemiah was personally feeding people out of his own income, out of his own salary, out of his own savings. He was personally sacrificing regularly he had that kind of great, great commitment to see the wall built. And I love this. And this is the attitude I want all of us to have, is I'm willing to step up and sacrifice, and I'm willing to give. Financially, I'm willing to give of my time. I'm willing to be over there working. One of the reasons we hired Pastor Jared to lead the charge at Layton 12, 12, 11, 12 years ago was because when we were building Riverdale, he was always in there. I mean, anytime we were in there as a staff, painting walls, hanging up lights, whatever we were doing, he was always in there doing it. He was all, and after a few months of that, we started looking at him a little differently. We're like, hey, do you want to be the pastor of our Leighton campus? Once we realized we had a need for Leighton, and he, and he led the charge over here. And I love it. Because that's the attitude, that's the sacrifice. He has that heart to sacrifice. And so many of you have that same heart and we, we're asking you to step up and be willing to sacrifice like, like Nehemiah did. And it's gonna take sacrifice. It's gonna, we're not, this, isn't, this time around, we're in better shape than we've ever been to build, to build a building. It's exciting for us to be able to say that. But there's still good news and bad news. The good news is that we have the money to build this campus in Syracuse. And that is great news. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> and so we're gonna ask you, we're gonna ask you to sacrifice greatly for this project. We, Tracy and I, every, every single campus we've opened up, Tracy and I have given sacrificially financially to it, every single one. So there's no one in here that's going to outdo us. We've, we've given to every, and we're not asking you to do something that Jared's not going to do, that Pastor Sean's not going to do, that our other pastors do. They've already sacrificed. They don't make nearly as much as most people. We know what the average income is around here. And trust me, all the staff at Alpine, we're below average. And we're, we're still leading the way to sacrifice like Nehemiah did. And we're just asking you to step it up. We want, to be able to be, we want to be able to leave a legacy for the next generation in Syracuse that they're not going to have debt hanging over their head for this building. Like, we're excited about that. So we have to step up and give to it, and we want to welcome you and invite you to do that. Pastor Jared's going to come up in a little bit to share about how you can do that. We're asking every campus 
to participate in Syracuse. Now, in Syracuse, we're asking them to do a few extra things. I just shared with them just a, a little bit earlier today in this message. I said, you guys are going to have to step it up even more than everyone else because it's your campus. But this campus especially, Layton's campus, this is, your, this is part of your legacy that you launched Syracuse. And so we're going to ask you to step up and help them to get their building built. Let's pray together. God, I praise you for the example of Nehemiah that he, he allowed his heart to be broken when there was a need and he stepped up. And I pray, Lord God, that, that we too, that every person here, there, there might be a, a family here that's never even given at Alpine. Maybe, the, maybe they're, they're not even sure if they consider Alpine home. God, I, even that, maybe you're even speaking to that family to step up and to be a part of this and to leave a legacy. God, we don't, we don't do this for our glory. We do it for your glory. We don't do it to build up our kingdoms, our own little private kingdoms. We do it for your kingdom, capital K. And God, I pray that our heart would break for what breaks yours. And God, that those people, 30,000 people in Syracuse, and there's one church there. There are churches around the country, there are cities around the country who have 30,000 people in their city and 50 churches. God, the need is great, and I pray that you would help us to meet it. Use us. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts to step up and to give greatly for your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.